You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. All righty. Well, good morning, good afternoon. Real quick, real quick, before you clap, thank you for that. That was really nice. Is 11.30 noon or is it like morning time? What do y'all think? By raise of hands, noon? Morning? Oh, wow, you guys wake up late. Okay, that's fine. All right, well, super cool. Well, hey, guys, I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. Um, before we get started, let's pray real quick, and then let's get into this. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come together as a church family, to learn from your word, uh, to be in community with each other, God. And I just pray just for open hearts, open minds, open ears today, Lord, for all that you have to speak to us, God. Um, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, well, well, if you're not familiar, guys, my, my name is Robbie. I'm the youth pastor here at City Church downtown. I have um, an incredible privilege to uh, leading the student ministry. Um, read with me in Genesis chapter 39. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all, the, of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Um, Today we're going to close out the series, Peace and the Promise, um, that we've been in for the last month. And, you know, I don't know if you're you're aware of this, but sometimes pastors like to, like, title their talks for no reason. We just like to have titles for them or whatever. And so I was thinking about this talk, and it, it made me think of a question. And the question was, have you ever been in a place that you just didn't want to be in? Have you ever been in a spot, just by a raise of hands, we could be honest here, we're a family. Have you ever been in a spot you're just like, I don't know how I got here, but I don't want to be here, right? Yeah, well, a lot of us have been in, see, you're not alone. See, we're all in this together. It's super exciting stuff. Um, when I was younger, I attended a, uh, I attended uh, Muriel Forbes Elementary School here on the south side of San Antonio, so solid, right? It's super exciting stuff. And uh, I had a PE coach at the time. Her name was Coach Garcia. Now, the best way I can describe Coach Garcia was that she was four feet, 11 inches of just pure terror. Like, she was terrifying. And her terror was not on display any more than when she had her clipboard in her hand. And so after our activity of the day uh, that we would do in PE, we would have 10 to 15 minutes of quiet time. And the, and those, uh, and the way that the quiet time went was you, ha- you couldn't talk to anybody, obviously. You couldn't make any noises, and you had to be working on any homework that you had for your other subjects. Uh, pretty straightforward rules, I would say. But parents, parents of elementary school kids to be exact, um, you know how difficult really nearly impossible of a task Coach Garcia was trying to accomplish here. She was trying to take 34th graders and say, don't make a noise for 15 minutes. Every parent's like, my kids don't make noises. That's great. It's pretty straightforward rules. Well, this is where the uh, clipboard came into play. So she had this clipboard, and she would walk around, and she had all of our names on this board. And, if, and she would walk around during quiet time, and if you made a noise, she would turn around really fast and she would mark a check mark next to your name. Now, this really messed with my mind because at the time, check marks are really positive at that time. But then she's like, actually, they're negative, you know, so super exciting stuff. So then, so then, um, so, so this it brings me to this one uh, uh, day in particular. Now, again, a check mark, not that scary, but two check marks, there were consequences. 
First consequence was that you had to miss out on the most important day in a fourth grader's life, and that was dodgeball day. Now, if you, if you never played dodgeball in elementary school, look it up. It's the greatest sport of all time. And so dodgeball day was awesome. And to a fourth grader, it was important for me because I had to sit and, and you know, through all these uncomfortable conversations about the human body and all these conversations that ended with like, remember, you're worth the wait, you know, like super just weird stuff. And so we had to sit through these conversations. And, and, uh, and so dodgeball day really just kept us sane. And so I didn't want to miss out on this dodgeball day. So I walked into PE classes just one day particular, I was feeling extra good, like so good, you guys. I walked in, I was confident, I go, this is my day. Tomorrow is dodgeball day, so of course I want to be good. And on top of that, I was riding a perfect zero check mark streak of three years. Yeah, I know. I would, if I can go pro and not getting check marks, I'd be pro because of how good I was at it. So I walk in, quiet time began. I was like 10 more minutes and dodgeball day. I got this. Let's do this, Robbie. And so I am sitting there. And the girl sitting next to me, and I'm not going to say her name, and the off chance that she now attends our church, I don't know, <laughs> pulled out her highlighter, and she made a huge mark all the way across my homework. I know. <laughs> then I was, just, I, I was speechless, and the best way I could do it, and as quietly as I could do it, I turned to her, and I was like, stop! I thought I got away. But instantly, my ears were filled with the sound of fear as Coach Garcia turned around and she goes, Mr. Quintero, and I was like, me, right? She then gets her clipboard and she goes, I was devastated, y'all. I was so devastated. I was devastated to the point because I was like, my perfect streak is over. All my friends are looking at me like, you're one of us, you know? <laughs> I was devastated, but I wasn't defeated. I wasn't defeated because I knew that I still had one more check mark that I had to avoid. And I said, you know what, I can avoid this and I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna experience dodgeball day and it's gonna be great. So I did what any good student would do. I gathered my things, I walked over to the other side of the gym, and I was like, not today, Satan, right? And so I got to this point. That's right, yeah, sometimes you gotta do that. And so I sat down, I started working on my work, I go five more minutes, I got this. But then, she who should not be named, gets her stuff, comes over to me. <laughs> and I'm not making this up. She gets her pencil and she stabs me in the neck. She said, you trying to leave me, boy? Mm -mm, I'm gonna cut you. So she cut me in front of the whole class. I screamed, I'm dying. And then, this is not even the worst part, Coach Garcia turns around, she goes, Mr. Quintero, that's enough. She puts a check mark next to my name, the check mark of death, and I, in a flash of a second, I now know, dodgeball day is gone. And there I am, sitting at a lunch table. Oh yeah, that's another part. We have to have lunch detention with the principal. It's dumb. Sitting at a lunch table outside the principal's office, alone, I'm staring at the ceiling like, I don't want to be here, and getting to see all my friends play dodgeball on Dodgeball Friday. Now, I know this is a silly story, but we've had pastors standing up on this stage all month long. If you've been here with the series, we've been talking about 
promises, that God has a promise for you, God loves you, God is for you, and he's going to, and, and you know what, if you pursue his promise, then you're going to find power, you're going to find purpose, and eventually you're going to find peace in these incredible promises God has. But some of you today, if we're being honest, feel exactly like some fourth grade kid sitting at a lunch table thinking to yourself, man, I did all the right things, I moved away from the situation that was getting me into trouble, and here I am in a place that I don't want to be. You know, maybe some of you guys hate your job and you are going to work every day and your boss is the worst and you're experiencing just crap at work, yet you know your family depends on you. And so you go to your job anyways because you have to provide and you think to yourself, man, I don't want to be here. Or maybe, you know, you, growing up you had these brilliant dreams and hopes, you know, for your life. Like you wanted to be a nurse, you wanted to be a doctor, you wanted to be the president of the United States. You had all of these ambitions, yet you find yourself struggling to make ends meet and you're thinking to yourself, well, I, how did I get here? I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be here. I'm doing all the right things. Or, you know, perhaps you're trying to live out your faith. And, you know, you're doing all the right things, yet you're constantly being tempted by porn, by extramarital affairs. You're, you're constantly being uh, tempted by an old addiction that keeps, you know, luring it, rearing its ugly head around and saying, hey, come back. This is your life. Yet you're trying everything you can to run away from it. And yet you're constantly finding yourself alone and isolated, and I, and I know that that feeling of isolation can feel terrible, and it can leave you just questioning everything, you know, that you know about God. Like, God, are you there? Do you care about me? Is there even, you know, in, is there really a hope in a future for my life? Like, is there anything good that's going to come out of this? And that's an ugly feeling. And we know it's an ugly feeling because then we try to take that situation, that isolation that we're experiencing, and we try to fix everything on our own, which we know, or if you're like me, makes it way worse, and you end up in the spot even longer than what you want to be in. And again, you feel like that fourth grade kid sitting at a lunch detention table while the rest of the world gets to enjoy dodgeball day and you're stuck here. Now, whether you know, you're in this situation right now or you know somebody who's in this situation, you know, I want you guys to, I want all of y'all to apply this big idea today. And that big idea is to persevere because peace is promised. Persevere because peace is promised. None of us are immune to these moments of isolation. None of us are immune to these seasons, but we're going to push through it because peace is absolutely promised to each one of us, and we're going to look into that today. So a person that I feel that displays our big idea, you know, really well um, is a man by the name of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Now, I had you guys read through Genesis 37 through 51 um, this week, so if you read, just by raising hands, just tell me if you read it. You can be honest with me. If you did your homework, awesome, cool, virtual prize. Congratulations. All right. Super cool stuff. Well, Joseph is, if you're not familiar with who Joseph is, Joseph is one of 12 sons He's, uh, of, of, of Jacob. And Joseph was his father's favorite son. Now, if you have a favorite in the family, then you know that the favorite child gets like all the best gifts. It gets, you know, all of mommy's and daddy's protection. And if you do so much as to breathe on this person, then you are going to be in so much trouble. It's ridiculous. And, and so this was Joseph. And, and on top of that, um, you know, and because, you know, Joseph was like super popular, his siblings despised him. His siblings did not like him at all. And so, um, you know, and we also know that the favorite of the family is sometimes kind of bold uh, because of all the confidence that he has because he's the favorite or she's the favorite. And so, you know, Joseph was no different. And so one day Joseph got this dream. Um, he received this promise from God at the age of 17. And this, and this promise was that his brothers and his father were going to bow down to him. And so being the confident dude that he is, when 
told his brothers and his dad this dream. And as you can imagine, he was met immediately with, with rejection. The Bible says that his father rebuked him and his brothers plotted to kill him. But being the nice people that his brothers are, they decided, hey, you know what? We're not going to get anything if we kill this guy. We should just sell him into slavery. And so they sold him into slavery. And there, Joseph finds himself in Egypt in the home of Potiphar. And now he's now, as, he's now working as a slave for this man. Now, something you have to know about Joseph is that Joseph was confident, not because he was a favorite, but he was confident because he knew that every situation that he found himself in, no matter what it was, that God was with him through all of it. And he was confident that God was walking with him and wouldn't ever leave him um, through any situation he faced. So, so here, Joseph, with that same mindset, is working as a slave, and he's doing everything that he's assigned to the best of his ability because he knows that God promised him something and that God will not leave him in this situation. So he begins to rise through the ranks. He starts rising through the ranks. Eventually, he becomes second in command to Potiphar's house, and he's in charge of everything. Well, then... You know, as a slave, doing all the right things, um, as you can imagine, as the way that this talk has been going, something bad happens. And so, so Joseph is there, and Mrs. Potiphar comes along. And uh, the best way I could describe her is like she's kind of a flusy, you know. So, she's, so she's, uh, she sees Joseph, a handsome man, successful in all he does, and he goes, what's up, Joseph? You know, like super excited. <laughs> and so Joseph sees Mrs. Potiphar is totally into him, so he gathers his things he walks to the other side. He says, not today, Satan. Super right. But then Mrs. Potiphar, can't take a hint, gets her stuff, goes over to Joseph. So Joseph, and he's like, no. And so instead of stabbing Joseph in the neck with a pencil, she accuses him of raping her. She tells her husband, Joseph raped me, and, and you got to do something about it. You got to do something. guy Joseph's the problem. And so Potiphar's like, no, mess with my woman. So he goes, grabs Joseph, and we pick up here in Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph, after doing all the right things, now finds himself in a spot that appears to be the wrong place for all the good that he has done. Joseph is now cut off from the people that he knows. He's cut off from the world that he knows, and he's cut off from his family. And now he finds himself isolated at a detention table outside of the principal's office, and that, and that, and that table takes form as a prison cell. So now we have Joseph, who's isolated, alone, in a prison cell, and now he's facing a question that we all have to face when we experience moments of isolation like this. And the question is, who are you when nobody else is looking? Who are you when nobody else is around? And so Joseph here is facing that. And so you find yourself in this place today, and you can only feel like you're trapped in this prison cell. And you're like, I'm isolated. I'm alone. I don't see myself getting out of this. I want to believe in God's promises. But right now, my situation does not seem like it's going to go that way. Then I'm going to show you guys, and we're going to walk through three ways that we can view our isolation so that we can persevere towards the peace that is promised to us. The first way, isolation is not a permanent destination. I want you to view your isolation as a, as a destination that is not permanent. It is temporary, it is a season, and it can be a really good season for you. I want you to know that God will sometimes pull you into these moments of isolation because there's a, there's a purpose behind it. He wants you to be in a spot that is so vulnerable, that is so alone, that the only thing, literally the only thing that you can lean on is him. 
He wants you to be able to lean simply on just him, nothing else. No Netflix, no Hulu, no boyfriend, no girlfriend, nothing. Like, he wants you to lean specifically on him. What I'm, what I'm not advocating right now is that you go, I'm a lone wolf. You know, like, I don't need anybody. I'm a lone wolf. I'm going to be a one-man wolf pack. I'm going to walk this whole life my entire, because you know what? Because no, I can't trust anybody. Like, that's not what I'm saying. And, and ladies, I'm not saying, like, that you need to walk around with only the mindset of, like, I don't need no man. I'm an independent woman. Like, that's important, and I get that. But, but what I am saying is that some of us have not allowed ourselves to be in a situation, to be, uh, to experience a life that is so uncomfortable or alone or isolated to where, we, where, where God is the only being that we can lean on. And so, um, you know, this reminds me of, you know, every year as we wrap up our, our uh, school semester for, for City Youth, um, when we get into our spring semester, we have like a senior night for our seniors or the last night in youth group. You know, we're kicking them out and we're saying, go be an adult, you know, super exciting stuff. And, and, we, and I, I typically give them a Bible. And, and in the Bible, I'll usually write like a, like a super sappy note. And it's like, you've grown up so much, you know, like all this fun stuff. But um, I, I always reference Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Um, and if there's anything I want you to take from this, if you haven't been listening to me this whole entire time, I want you to pay attention now because this right here, I want you to walk away from this. I want you to be reminded of this because this is super important. Um, you read with me. Trust in the Lord with, what's that word? Oh, come on. Not all of you said it. Like, what's the deal? Trust in the Lord with of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in That's good. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord and he's going to make your path straight. Trust in God. He makes your path straight. Trust in God. If, if you don't remember anything, just know I can trust in God, and no matter what my situation is, he's going to make it straight. He's going to make it work in my favor. If I lean on God, then I am going, to, he's going to have my back through everything. And, and, um, and, and Joseph knew that. He saw this. He saw his isolation. And instead of sitting there and being like, I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be here. You know, why me? He said, no, I'm going to lean on God because he has my back and I'm confident in that. I'm going to walk with that confidence. So again, persevere because isolation is not your permanent destination. Second point I want to make is isolation is an invitation. Isolation is an invitation. It's an invitation for growth. It's an invitation for a new motivation for life. It's an invitation for God to reveal something to you about yourself that you had no idea even existed. You're like, man, I didn't know I could do that. That's pretty cool. You know, like, that's, like this is what this moment is for. I mean, check out, check out Joseph. He's in prison, yet he's rising through the ranks just like he did as a slave because he walked around with the confidence that God was with him. And, and, and we see that here in, in Genesis 40. Uh, or 39, verse 23, he says, the, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. He's a prisoner, yet he's successful. Why? Because in his moment of isolation, Joseph leaned on God constantly. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but you're going to make it happen. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this, but you're going to make it happen. Constantly remind yourself, I'm going to lean on you, you're going to make it happen. I'm going to lean on you, you're going to make it happen. And so we see this moment where Joseph said, I'm not going to focus on my isolation anymore. I'm just going to let you have it, God. And Joseph is now introduced to two gentlemen, and we're going to focus on one of them here in a bit. He's, he's introduced to two guys. Two gentlemen were introduced to his prison, the prison that he was put in charge of. And, and they were the chief cupbearer 
and the baker of the king of Egypt. Now, now we're going to focus on the cupbearer right now. And if you're not familiar with, with what a cupbearer is, the cupbearer is the guy who would drink the king's drink, whatever he's drinking, before the king to make sure it wasn't poisonous. And so he had a pretty important job. Um, and I imagine they went through cupbearers quite a bit. But, like, that's, that was his job. And so one day, these two guys were sitting around. They were super bummed out. They didn't know. They, they had these dreams, and they didn't know what they meant. And so, so Joseph sees them. And we're going to pick back up here in, in Genesis 40, verse 6. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. They were upset. They were bothered. They were bothered. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? Well, we both had dreams, they answered, they, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said, do not interpretations come from God. Tell me your dream. And so in these verses, we learn a little bit about the personality of Joseph. And I, I want to bring you to that. I want to bring attention to that. Uh, Joseph is kind of like those people, you know, you know, that are like super positive, like all the time. Like, no matter what, it's like, dude, come on. It's like, they walk in, and like, hey, how's your day going? Oh, my dog died yesterday. But you know what? God's plan, man. You know? <laughs> you can be sad. It's okay. Well, well, well um, we have a student. We have a student uh, at City Youth. His name is Van. I asked his parents for permission for this. Um, and, and Van is exactly this person. So Van will, will show up to City Youth, and he'll, like, run through the tunnel, because we have City Youth here in the theater. He'll run through the tunnel, and, and no matter how his day is going, no matter how his home life is or how school went, um, and, and for sure with no uh, consideration of how my day is going, he'll, like, run, he'll, like, run down the tunnel, and he's like, Rabbi! Right, super excited, and he'll jump on me and give me this biggest hug of all time. And, and, and sometimes, like, I just kind of want to be like, get off me, you know, like, super excited, because I'm, like, frustrated, I'm behind. But, but Van... You know, Van's mindset is, isn't like, oh, I had a horrible day, but it's like, man, I'm so excited to be here. Like, I don't care how my day went. Like, the fact that I'm about to be in the presence of my church family, the fact that I'm about to be in the presence of my God, like, that's the only thing I care about right now. So Van runs down, gives me this hug with that motivation. And I can't help but to feel the exact same way the moment that he hugs me. Because I'm like, man, if this kid's excited, then, then I better get excited because this is a huge deal. And it doesn't matter how my day is going. I just know that this guy's excited, and that makes me happy. And so Joseph is this guy. And, and we see him being this guy because uh, just in, just the way that he had the audacity to walk up to two guys in prison and ask them, why are you so sad? I don't think you heard me. He walked into prison and looked at two guys and were like, why are you so sad? We have each other. Like, this is good. So, so they tell him, man, I'm burdened with this dream. I have this dream. I don't know what it means. And so, and so Joseph could have, in this moment, could have been focusing solely on his isolation. Man, I'm isolated. I'm alone. I'm in this place. I don't want to be in. But instead, he sees this invitation. He goes, man, here's an invitation. Heck yeah. Here we go. Let's do this. And so he goes and, and he, asks, he asks these guys, hey, why are you so sad? They go, we have this dream. And he goes, well, don't dreams come from God. Well, I know God, so tell me your dream. He, he takes the invitation to serve these guys. And I want to remind you, and I want to tell you that if you find yourself in a spot you don't want to be, or even if you just came out of the spot, like, it doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what step you're in life. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. What matters is that you understand that God can use you right now. I, w I want you to get that. God can use you right now, right where you're at. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to. You, you know, you, God 
can use you right now. Guys, I don't have it all together. The other day I was pumping gas and I left the gas station before taking out the pump. Like, I don't have it all together, but yet God can still use me. God can use you right now. It's embarrassing. And so Joseph understood that. Joseph, hey, you know what? I know God can use me right now. And so he, so he tells them their dream. Uh, the cupbearer tells them the dream, and, and Joseph goes, okay, well, um, in three days, uh, Pharaoh is going, to, is going to pull you out of prison, and he is going to reinstate you. You're going to get your job back, and it's going to be awesome. And so the cupbearer is like, dope, bro. Hey, good looking out, man. Like, all this cool stuff, right? And so Joseph goes, cool. He goes, before you get pulled, uh, before you leave, I want, I want you to know this. Don't forget about me. Don't forget what I did for you here today. I, I, you know, when I was younger, I got forced out of my house. I was rejected by my family. You know, dad probably thinks I'm dead. Um, I was forced into slavery. I found myself in the home of Potiphar. Um, I was now, you know, I, I did everything I could as a slave. I did all the right things. Um, and, and then his wife started some stuff with me. And then I was like, not today, Satan. But she was like, mm-mm. And so like, so like this whole thing. And so, so then um, I, got a, I got wrongfully accused. And now I'm in the spot where I don't want to be. And I really don't deserve it. But, so just please don't forget what I did for you here today. And the Bible says that everything that Joseph predicted came to fruition. Cupbearer got his job back. Um, but the cupbearer forgot about Joseph and didn't just forget about him like he forgot about him for two years but I believe that in those two years Joseph didn't feel forgotten I believe in those two years Joseph continued to walk with the same mindset that hey God's got me I'm gonna lean on him he has my back he's gonna continue showing me favor and 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 you know what this isolation that I'm experiencing is not permanent and I'm gonna get out of this And I believe that he took every invitation that God gave him. I believe that every obstacle that was placed in front of Joseph, he didn't see it as an obstacle, but he saw it as an opportunity. And and, um, so so two years go by, and then finally it leads us to this. The king of Egypt has this dream. And again, the the cupbearer is now, two years later, hasn't died. So that means that we're trying to poison the king. That's exciting. And so he... he, uh, Pharaoh has this dream, and he doesn't know what it means. He's burdened by it. Um, it's, it's, it's driving him crazy. And the cupbearer's like, oh, man, dude, I, I remember there's this one guy that I met when I was in prison, and, and uh, he helped me out. I, I think he can help you out if you, if you want to get him. So the king's like, yeah, dude, let, let's get this guy. So they go, and they pull Joseph out of prison. And I imagine he looks like Tom Hanks from Castaway at this point. And, and he, they pull him out of prison, and they... And, and, Pharaoh goes, hey, I've, I've had this dream. I heard you can interpret dreams. Can you help me? And Joseph's like, well, I can't help you, but, but I know a God who can, and I know God, so why don't you just tell me your dream, and I'll tell you what God wants you to know. And so Pharaoh tells him, just spills out his heart, you know, probably takes like two hours, and they're just, just going, and I'm just kidding. I don't know how long it takes, but um, uh, Joseph goes, okay, this is what God wants you to know. This is what your dream means. You know, for, for the next seven years, Egypt is going to... It's going to experience great abundance. You're going to experience just amazing amounts of just food. And, and, for the, and then for seven years after that, you guys are, are going to experience famine. Like, you're not going to be able to grow anything. It's going to be just barren, nothing. And so um, Joseph, again, took his isolation and said, I'm not going to look at it like that. I'm looking at his invitations to serve. And so he served the guys in the prison. And now he's having the opportunity to serve in the biggest stage of his life. And, you know, it, it took him saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to just keep 
doing what I'm doing and keep staying confident that God is with me. And, and that's why we, we here at City Church, we encourage you guys to serve as much as possible. Serve, you know, on a Sunday team, serve on, at City Youth on Wednesday nights, join a tribe, get involved because if you're so fixated on your isolation all the time and you think to yourself, I'm so alone, I don't want to be here, all this stuff, then you're going to miss out on so many opportunities for God to use you. And so, you know, we see Joseph here now telling his dream, and Pharaoh's like, dude, bro, like, where have you been this whole time? Like, like where have you been hiding? And Pharaoh's like, man, I've been serving, or, or Joseph's like, I've been serving up in Kid City this whole time, you know? I just went through recovery. I went to PTO. I, you know, then I started serving in the cafe. Like, man, people at City Church are a mess, but, like, it's fine because, you know, I love serving. Or, man, I've been serving in the parking team this whole time. Like, take your opportunity and serve because I believe in time God's going to say, man, I know where you've been hiding, and I have a bigger purpose for you. I have an impact that I want to make through you. It may be in somebody's life. It might be on stage. I don't know, but I know that God is going to make a, 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 an impact through each one of you can, which leads us to our, our last point, and it's isolation can often lead to your elevation. It can often lead to something incredible, something incredible that God has planned to do through you way before you're even born. And so we see that here with Joseph. And now Joseph makes his plan. It's so incredible that Pharaoh's like, hey, you're going to be put in charge of Egypt. Like, in, in, you know, other than me, I'm the only one that's going to be, uh, you know, above you. Uh, you're going to be in charge of all of Egypt. And so he, so he plans to store food for seven years, all the abundance. He stores and stores and stores and stores. And then for seven years of famine, they're prepared. And, and Egypt is really the only place that's prepared because nobody else knew this was coming. And so Egypt is prepared. And so all these countries from all around are coming to Egypt because they have the food and they're going to buy the food. And, and, we, and, and then uh, we see that all the countries, including the country that his family lived in, has, now, has to now come to Egypt and report to Joseph to receive permission to purchase food from them. And that includes his brothers. And so we see here now Joseph was the governor of the land the, the person who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces in the ground. At the age of 17 years old, Joseph received this promise. At the age of 17 years old, he began to face rejection, slavery, prison, isolation. But none of those things stopped him from constantly pursuing the promise that God had put in his heart. Joseph persevered because he knew his isolation wasn't permanent. He persevered, he persevered because he knew that his isolation would present invitations for him to get, have a new motivation for life, for him to live his best life possible, for him to discover something new about himself that he didn't even know existed. Joseph persevered because he knew that eventually God was going to elevate him out of his isolation, and he was going to put him in a spot that his dream and his vision and his promise would come true. Joseph persevered because he knew that if he leaned on God, then peace would be promised to him. Guys, if you persevere with the mindset of all these three things, know that peace is promised to you at the end of this. It may not feel like it right now, but I promise you guys, it is. And it, didn't, it took Joseph to the age of 41 to be able to live out the promise that was placed on his heart. But imagine if he gave up. And imagine if you give up. And so I want to encourage you here that if you find yourself in a moment of isolation right now. You find yourself in a spot. You're like, I don't want to be here. 
I'm doing all the right things, yet I still can't seem to get out of this position. Your life hasn't gone to plan. You're, you hate your job. You hate your boss. You're struggling to make ends meet. Um, your addiction keeps coming back around. If you find yourself in this situation and you're crying out to God, I don't want to be here. Keep persevering because of all that is promised to you. Keep persevering because at the end of all this, there is peace to be had. And at the end of all this, this church family together is going to celebrate with you like crazy. And we're going to walk through this moment of isolation with you as well. And I can stand up here and I can tell you for a fact that peace is promised to you because there is no greater promise that delivers that peace than what Christ did for us on the cross. God saw a world of people that were going to be rejected, that were going to be tested, that were going to be isolated because of the change that was happening in their lives. And he put a plan in place through his son, Jesus, by sending him down to this world to live a perfect life and to die this incredible death for you and for me. So, and all we have to do is believe in that and we then have every single opportunity to view our isolation as a destination that is now as no longer permanent. And we have every opportunity to view our isolation as, the, as an opportunity, not an obstacle. We have every, 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 every opportunity to view our isolation and walk with confidence that if I lean on God, he's going to pull me out of this and I'm going to be used for his purpose. And so let's all bow our heads together and let's pray. And if that's you, if you're somebody who walked in here today and you've been doing everything on your own and you're like, man, I'm isolated, I'm alone, and nothing is working, and you want to be in a spot where you can lean on this God that I'm talking about that, that will have your back no matter what you go through, then it simply starts with believing in your heart, believing in your heart that there's a God out there who loves you so much that he will give up everything just to give you the opportunity to live out the promises that he has given you. So that's you. Let's just pray together. You can say this to yourself. You can say it out loud. All you have to say is, Lord, I acknowledge that my life this far has kept me from you. But with everything that I have, and the best way I know how, I choose to believe in you, and I choose to hand over everything that I've been doing on my own. And I believe with the confidence of Joseph that you have my back. And today I choose to start to lean on you. It's your name we pray. Amen. You guys look at me for a second. I'm going to close with this. You know, I know that every Sunday we have, if you're new here, we, we have these moments where we're, we open up the front for prayer. And if you're going through something in life and you're, you're struggling with something, you know, we ask you, hey, come up here and kneel before God. Give it to him. You know, that's great. But, and I only say this because I struggle with this. I'm so quick to pray to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this, 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 and this. So I need you to make it better. I need you to fix it. I need a miracle. I need you to improve my situation because I don't want to be here. And I feel like I don't deserve to be here. But you know, sometimes we have to just stop. And before we ask God for anything, you know, we have to stop and, and just acknowledge that, hey, hey God, it's because of Jesus. It's because of what you've done through your son that I even have the opportunity to come and pray this prayer to you. And so I, I thank you for that. I thank you for how good you are to me, even when I don't feel it sometimes. And I thank you that no matter what I've done in my life, and I've done a lot of bad stuff, that you haven't ditched me yet. You haven't left me. 
And so today before, you know, we're going to have the front open for prayer here in a bit. But before we come up and we ask God to change our situation, to fix our lives, what we're going to do by way of communion is, is we're going to come up here and we're going to receive the bread as representations that, that it was Christ's body who was broken for us so that we can have these opportunities like this. It was God's blood that was spilled for us so that we can have, so that we no longer have to live in this isolation forever. And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to release you guys row by row and you're going to go, if you feel comfortable, you're going to come up to the table that, they, that the ushers direct you to um, and you're going to receive communion. And, and as you receive it, receive it with the mindset of thankfulness that like, God you are so good to me and if you feel called if you, if you need to come up here and you just need to unload on God and just pray um, whatever uh, it is that's on your heart then I'll encourage you to do that as well but just remember in this moment man, God is so good to you let's receive communion Lord thank you so much for for who you are God, we know that you hear us when we share everything that's on our heart, everything we're burdened with, God, everything that life just throws on us, God, we acknowledge that you hear us and we walk with confidence, Lord, that you are for us, that you are going to make our path straight. And so, so God, as we leave here today, I pray that we each walk boldly with that confidence. No matter what we go through in our life, no matter what level of isolation we experience, that we can walk fully with a confidence and say, my God is with me, my God is for me, and my God is going to make this right. So Jesus, we love you, we thank you, God, and we praise you for all that you are. You are so, so good to us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.